I came forward. It's a great song. I, I told Rodney that will bring a lot of energy. That's just one of those golden oldies that people um, kind of get into. We like that song. And uh, it's sad that we, we tend to label songs as invitation songs or communion songs. They're, they're good anytime. So uh, it's a great song, great singing. I want to introduce you, if you don't already know, to a young lady who's been visiting with us, and she would like to have her membership identified here. She also would like to uh, restore her life back to Christ and his service and ask for our prayers. Her name is Tony Davis. She's on my right, right over here. Let's pray for Tony at this time. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the, uh, the gorgeous day. Thank you for the change of seasons. Thank you for the life that you give us. Father, we pray for Tony this morning as she would like to restore her life back to you and be right with you. And Father, whatever has plagued her, whatever has caused interference between, between her and you, she asks for forgiveness and she wants to be right with you. We're thankful that she wants to be a part of our church family. Father, we pray that she will be actively involved, and Father, please strengthen her faith, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, we have a lot going on the next couple of weeks, so I hope you know that. I hope you check in the bulletin. I hope you're aware. Tonight is a cappella. Next week is dinner on the grounds and our Easter egg hunt, and that's always a big deal. The next weekend, our young people and parents and coaches are going to be involved in LTC in Dallas Easter Sunday, so the next several weeks are, are busy and packed. We're coming off a of spring break. I know everybody's rested. I can tell by looking. No. No, Stag, just go ahead and take a nap. So. <clears throat> we continue in our study of First John. We're calling it Blessed Assurance because John wants us to know that we're saved and he wants us to know that we can have an assurance of our salvation. He uses that word know, knows, acknowledge at least 40 times in this book. So he wants us to know some things. Today we're going to talk about false claims. False claims. We're familiar with false claims. When it comes to advertising, we, we are familiar with false claims. A company will make a claim that you will benefit from buying their product or you will lose weight from buying their product, or you will save money, or there will be some benefit from buying their product. And then we buy the product, and we use the product, and we realize and that was probably a false claim. In fact, that's why we have the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. They, they investigate stuff like that. And so I read this last week an article about one of their investigations. Americans are willing to spend billions of dollars when it comes to uh, losing weight. It's big business. It's easy money for the marketers because 61% of Americans are overweight or obese. So when you go to the grocery store and you check out and you see all the magazines and you see all this stuff, it catches our attention because 61% of us are overweight. So the Federal Trade Commission came and they wanted to check in some, to some stuff because these companies, they have testimonials, testimonials, they have before and after pictures, 
And they promise this weight loss. They promise no dieting, no exercise. They promise you'll never gain the weight back. They promise you can lose 8 or 10 pounds a week. They make all kinds of claims. So the FTC came in and they reviewed 300 weight loss ads, 218 dietary supplements, meal replacements, patches, creams, wraps, other weight loss products and services. And the report found that 40% of the ads made at least one representation that was almost certainly false. 55% made a claim that was very likely false or at least lacked adequate substantiation. False claims. We're surrounded by false claims. We're familiar with false claims. We see false claims when it comes to buildings and constructions and vehicles. We see false claims when it comes to relationships. In fact, I read this week that in the last 50 years, there have been over 1,100 religious leaders in different parts of the world who have claimed to be Christ or the Savior of the world. False claims. So John's going to talk to us today in chapter 2 about false claims. So let's read our text, 1 John 2, beginning in verse 3. We know... There's his word again. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who claims, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. False claims. When we introduced this letter, we mentioned that John was writing because there was a group of people, the Gnostics, who were making all kinds of claims. They claimed to have a special knowledge. They claimed to know things that other people didn't have. They claimed to have all kinds of stuff. If you'll just be like us. And so John's addressing that group, the Gnostics, but he wants us to know that there are still false claims today. We see that in chapter 1 and verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned. And here in chapter 2, three times, seven times in this letter, he's going to say, if you claim, if someone claims, if you say false claims is what he's talking about here. The man who claims, the man who says, there will always be people who make claims. There will always be people who claim to be Christians. There will always be people who claim to have fellowship with God. There will always be people who claim that they're saved and that they're going to heaven. But that doesn't mean it's true. John said, I'm going to tell you how you can tell if it's a false claim or not. So John says that in the same way we have a truth in lending act, he says there's a truth in living act when it comes to claims. And he's very black and white when it comes to fellowship with God. He's very 
black and white when it comes to what we claim about God. He's very black and white when it comes to how we live. So we mentioned in our first lesson, he's going to talk about bogus Christians, people who pretend to be Christian, people who claim to be a Christian, people who claim a certain knowledge. And again, he's going to talk about false claims. So when it comes to assurance, the blessed assurance we're talking about, how can I know that I'm a Christian? Well, John said, let me give you two things when it comes to false claims. Number one, people who claim to know God obey God. He actually says it somewhat negatively. The man who claims to know God but does not do what he commands, he's a liar. That's what John says. Don't get mad at me. That's what John says. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. And he says, we know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. So if you want to know if you're a real Christian, ask yourself, do I obey God's commands? If you want to have assurance of salvation, ask yourself, am I obedient to the Lord's commands? I think too many times we practice selective obedience. We obey if it feels good. We obey if I feel like it. We obey if it's convenient. We obey if we don't have anything else on our agenda. Selective obedience. And yet, what he's saying here is real Christians obey even when it's difficult. Real Christians obey even when it's costly. Real Christians obey even when we don't feel like it. Obedience doesn't mean I get to pick and choose the commands. You know, I like this command, so I'll obey. I don't like this command, so I'm not going to... It's not convenient for me, so I'm not... We don't get to pick and choose the commands. The word is obey. It means to keep. It means to do what He, God, says. It's not just lip service. John wants us to know it's live service. Obedience is what he's talking about here. <clears throat> a lot of Christians pretend to be followers. And John says, they're just sayers. The man who says, the man who claims is what he's talking about. And so many people claim to be Christians and we never see them at worship. Many claim to be Christians and they never read their Bibles. Many claim to be Christians and they don't give any money to the Lord. Many claim to be Christians and they still have anger and rage and malice and filthy language. John says it's not just what you say, it's what you do. It's called obedience. And John says the one who claims to know him but does not do what he commands, that's a false claim. That man's a liar. The truth is not in him. So John says just look at your life. Just look at the lives of other people. It's the truth in living act. It's real simple. It's called obedience. If you want assurance of salvation, just ask yourself, am I being obedient to God's commands? There's got to be a change in your life. There's got to be some evidence in your life that you're being obedient to God. I like what Spurgeon said. An unchanged life is a sign of an uncleansed heart. You can't just claim to be a Christian. You can't just say I'm a Christian. You've got to have obedience to the commands. A Christian who doesn't care about the sin in his life is in essence saying, I don't care about the cross of Jesus. A Christian who doesn't care about his walk in darkness is saying, you know what? What Jesus did at the cross is not enough motivation for me to change my life. That man's a liar. 
and the truth is not in him. And so John says, if you claim to be a Christian, but you keep doing what you're doing, and you keep living in darkness, and you keep sinning, well, you're just making a false claim about who you are. John says, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Anybody can claim to be a Christian. Anybody can say that they're a Christian. But John goes back to the walking illustration that he used in chapter 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we walk as Jesus did, John says... Actions, how you walk, speak louder than words, what you say. You can claim with your words. John says you should claim with your walk. So, listen, church, you don't have to wonder if you're saved. You don't have to hope that you're saved. You can have assurance of your salvation. He says in verse 3, we know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. So we can have that assurance. So we've been talking about walking and walking in the light. So ask yourself, am I walking in the light? Is there sin in my life that I've not confessed? Is there sin in my life that needs to be removed? Is there sin in my life that needs to be put to death? Am I trying to please the Lord or am I trying to please myself? Do I hate the darkness? Do I find myself every day turning from the darkness more and more and it's getting lighter all the time? Are you walking in the light as he is in the light? Again, John says, if you claim to be a Christian, but you're not obedient, you're walking in darkness, you're just making a false claim. You don't really know God if you continue to walk in the darkness. Knowledge of God leads to obedience to God. The more we know God, the more we want to be obedient to God. You cannot claim to know God and continue to live in darkness. It's a false claim. Many people will, <clears throat> many people who claim to be Christians will say, <clears throat> well, you know what, God just wants me to be happy. To justify what they want to do in life. That's a false claim. Jesus didn't die so that we would be happy. Jesus died so that we would be forgiven. And Jesus died so that we would be obedient. And the more we realize we are forgiven, And the more we are obedient to God, the happier we will be. So the folks who say, well, you know, God just wants me to be happy, so I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do in my disobedience to justify what I want to do, that doesn't make God happy. What makes God happy is obedience. So before you say, well, I just, you know, God just wants me to be happy, so I'm going to do this, you need to ask, "Is, is this being obedient to God's word? Don't justify your happiness with your disobedience. I'm afraid many people don't want Jesus as a Savior. They seem to want Jesus as a, as a good luck charm, as, as, a, as a rabbit's foot Jesus. You need something in life? Just rub Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I need a new job. Can you help me out? Hey, Jesus, I, I need a new relationship. Can you help me? Hey, Jesus, I need a raise at work. Can you help me? Hey, Jesus, I need a green light at the intersection. Just Hey, Jesus, can you help me out? Some people just want a convenient Jesus. Just be around when it's convenient and he serves your purpose. So John says, don't make false claims about being a Christian if you're not going to be obedient. He makes a second point about false claims. Number two, people who claim to be Christians love. So people who claim to be Christians obey. People who claim to be Christians love. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light 
but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. Now, we've mentioned John's going to talk a lot about love. In an 18-verse stretch in chapters 4 and 5, he's going to use the word love 31 times. So we're going to spend some more time on that. He uses the word love 45 times in 105 verses here. So it's pretty important. People who claim to be Christians love. John says, if you claim to be a Christian and you hate your brother, well, you're making a false claim. You're a bogus Christian. You're just pretending to be a Christian. You can't claim to know God and hate your brother because God is love. He said in chapter 2, verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, God's love is made complete in him. So the more we obey, the more we love. And that love is made complete in us. So if you claim to be a Christian, you'll love your brother. John says, how, how can you claim to know Christ and not love? You can't do that. He says in chapter 2, verse 11, If you claim to know God and hate your brother, you're in the darkness. You're walking in the darkness. You don't know where you're going and you're blind. So you've got to ask yourself, do I hate a brother today? Do I hate anybody today? If you do, you're making a false claim about being a Christian. Now again, that's pretty black and white, or as John would say, it's pretty darkness and light, as he keeps making that illustration. Listen, folks, you can claim to know all about God your whole life and hate your brother. You're making a false claim. You can claim to... Know all the commandments and read your Bible. But if you harbor ill feelings towards a brother, it's a false claim. You can go to church your whole life and hate a brother. And your life's been a life of false claims, is what he says here. So if you harbor ill feelings towards a brother today and claim to be a Christian, John says you can't do that. That's a false claim. You can't claim to know God and hate John says, I'm not writing you a new command, but I'm writing you an old one, but I'm writing you a new command. So what's he saying? Well, from the beginning, we know, and he talks about God is love. God has always been about love. God in his love sent Jesus. God in his love chose the Israelites in the Old Testament. God in his love established the church. That's nothing new. But what is new is that Jesus came and demonstrated that love. Romans chapter 5 says... For God demonstrated His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now we've got a new illustration, a new demonstration. Jesus came and showed us what love was like. So the entire time He was on this earth, Hey, Jesus, why are you walking around with the poor? Why are you walking around with the rejected? Why are you walking around with the prostitutes? Why are you walking around with the leopards? And Jesus would say, Well, I know God. And God is love. And that's what I'm supposed to be doing. <clears throat> the new command is that Jesus demonstrated his love. So I guess we could say it this way. If we would just love as Jesus loves, we don't need any other commands. If you would just love as Jesus loves, if you just lived your life that way, you'd be right with God. You remember when they came to Jesus in Matthew 22, our scripture reading day, what's the greatest command? Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Love God and love your neighbor. It's that simple. You remember in Luke chapter 10 when they came and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he gave him the parable of the Good Samaritan to illustrate what love looks like. Then Jesus said in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another. And then he defined it, As I have loved you. That's the new command. So John in this letter, in 1 John 3, 16, writes, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So in the way, same way we sometimes practice selective obedience, sometimes we practice selective love. And so we might say things like, well, I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you if I get something back. I'll love you if you do something nice for me. Folks, that's not love. Selective love, but that's not the kind of love that we're called to have. Real love is, I love you even if you don't love me, even when you don't love me, even if you badmouth me, even if you're not going to do anything for me. That's the way God loves us. Well, Richie, why should I love other people like that? That's the way God loves us. God demonstrated his love and showed us what love is. You know, the kind of love God wants us to have is, it's not natural. In fact, it's supernatural. The kind of love that God wants us to have, we can only have as Christians. Because as Christians, God fills us with his spirit and he teaches us how to love. We don't know how to love without God's help. That's what makes it supernatural. So John says you can't claim to be a Christian and not love. You know, sometimes in preparing messages, you, you, you get things during the week that are amazing how they fit into your lesson. So this last week, I went with Sydney and Justin to Abilene to find housing because they're going to be moving there after they graduate to continue their education. And so we came up to an intersection. I don't know. I went around on that loop in Abilene so many times, I don't know what intersection there was. But we come up to an intersection. Here's a homeless, pretty scruffy-looking guy. It's a red light. So I asked Sydney and Justin, what do you all want to do? So we decided we're going to give this guy some money. So we dug in and we got some cash and we rolled down the window and I handed the guy the the cash and the conversation was pretty unusual. I say that because anytime I've given cash to someone at a street corner, there's usually not conversation. Might be a nod, maybe a thank you. But this guy wants to have a conversation. He got a big old smile on his face and he looked at me and he said, who loves you? I love you and Jesus loves you. That's all that matters. I thought, here's a guy preaching from 1 John 2 about love. And I'm the one giving him money. And he's teaching me, who loves you? I love you and Jesus loves you. That's all that matters. I think John would want to refine that guy's message a little bit. Yes, the love of Jesus is important. Yes, I'm glad he loves me. But John says, I need to love too. You need to love and I need to love. If you claim to know God, you need to love others. You can't be in fellowship with God if you're out of fellowship with brothers. You can't be in fellowship with God and claim to know God and not love people. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, if you bring your gift to the altar, talking about worship, if you come to worship and a brother has something against you, you leave your gift and you go be reconciled with your brother because you can't be out of fellowship with someone and expect to be in fellowship with God. You can't claim to be a Christian and not love. Hatred darkens life. 
Love makes our lives brighter and brighter. In fact, that phrase, love one another, it appears 12 times in the New Testament. Why? I think because God wants us to love. I know God wants us to love. And so again, he says in verse 11, if you claim to be a Christian and yet you hate your brother, you're in the darkness, you're walking in the darkness, you don't know where you're going and you're blind. Now that's very black and white. That's very plain. So when you love people, you want what's best for them and you don't steal from them and you don't badmouth them. You want what is best for them. So if you're at odds with somebody today, if you have ill feelings towards someone today and you claim to be a Christian, John says, no, you're making a false claim. If you want to be in fellowship with God, you need to be in fellowship with people and love people. John wants us to know that God wants to have fellowship with us and he wants us to have fellowship with other people, but there's things that can interrupt that fellowship. So he says again in chapter 1, if we claim to have fellowship and walk in darkness, if we claim to be without sin, here in chapter 2, if we claim to know God but we're not obedient, if we claim to be in the light but we hate our brother, guess what? That fellowship with God is interrupted. You can't have fellowship with God. You can't claim to be a Christian and not live the way God wants you to live. False claims. You know why we struggle with our salvation? You know why we have doubts? You know why we can't grab a hold of that assurance? Maybe it's because we're living a life of false claims. Maybe because we're just pretending. Maybe because we're just going through the motions, church. John is concerned about our walk. He mentions it in chapter 1. He says, to walk as Jesus did. We're supposed to walk in the light. That's an interesting phrase in the Old Testament. Enoch walked with God and he was not. God took him up. And then you read about Noah and he walked with God. And then we read Paul in Ephesians 5 that we're supposed to walk as children of light. And now John tells us to walk as Jesus did. So maybe we need to ask today, how's your walk? How's your walk? Are you making false claims about how you're living? Are you just pretending to be a Christian and claiming and saying? Or are there actions that follow what your words are saying? If you claim to be in fellowship with God, if you claim to be a Christian, look at your walk. We offer the invitation of Jesus today, the song we sang before I got up here. God calls us to trust And obey. There's that obedience thing again. We're supposed to trust God. We're supposed to be obedient to God. So will you resolve in your heart today to give your life to Jesus? Will you resolve in your heart, you know, I want my walk with Jesus to be right. Is there something in your life that you need to make right with God today? Remove those false claims and be right with God as we stand and sing. I am resolved.